You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here, along with our MLB.com Blue Jays reporter, Gregor Chisholm. And, Gregor, we're getting to the late portion of January now, so spring training right around the corner. Time to look at some of the new faces and and get to know your 2016 Blue Jays. So uh, we're going to get to know Drew Storen today. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about him. He's one of the newest additions to this Blue Jays team, and obviously he's going to fit in nicely to that bullpen. So when you look at Drew Storen and and what the team was thinking when they went out and, and traded Ben Revere to get him, where does he fit in? Is he definitely 100% the closer on opening day? Not 100%, but I think he does enter as a favorite. I think the one thing the Blue Jays really have to take a look at, it does seem like Roberto Osuna is going to stick in the bullpen. Uh, he's obviously a guy last year who, who did very, very well in that role. Um, but I think you know the fact that Storm has a lot of experience doing it, He's more of a traditional one-inning guy. Uh, Roberto Osuna does have that kind of uh, you know starting rotation past uh, in the minor leagues, has a bit more of an ability to maybe go uh, for a couple of innings down in that bullpen. So you could really start to look at him as a guy who could be crucial in the middle innings. Uh, and then you go back to that set routine that Storin has had for a number of years, knowing that he's just going to come in for one inning and, and be that guy in the ninth. And I think that's ultimately how it's going to end up working out. Uh, but there still is something to be said for the fact that Osuna did very well in that job last year. So it might be a little easier said than done just to take that closer role away from him. All right, we're going to get a little into maybe strengths and weaknesses when you talk about Drew Storen. And here's a guy, he's 27 years old, and you look at the numbers career-wise, uh, 95 saves, the ERA 3.02. And when you look at last season, before Jonathan Papelbon arrived there in Washington, and obviously we know what happened after that as far as that entire team goes, but before Papelbon's arrival, Drew Storen had 29 saves. He had an ERA under two in, yes, it's the National League, but but a division in the East with, with a lot of good bats. When you look at what he did, is that the best of Drew Storen, what we saw early on last year and, and on and off throughout his career? Yeah, I think so. And, and from a Jays perspective, I think they're looking at it as, you know, last year, the way things went for him for the first half of the season, that's typically how been how his regular seasons have gone throughout his career. I mean, he's been a very consistent guy from year to year during the regular season. I think more than anything else, this is just a guy who, who needs a fresh start, especially after what happened in Washington But uh, you know, last year. But even going beyond that, uh, he had two postseasons uh, with the Nationals where things just did not go well for him, uh, really kind of put a sour ending to two of his otherwise fine seasons. And uh, you know, I think there are some question marks inside that Nationals organization as to whether or not after those two uh, collapses in the postseason, whether whether or not they wanted him to be the guy down the stretch in a team that was supposed to contend. And I think that's one of the reasons why they went out and made the move for Papelbon at the time. They probably thought that they were setting themselves up for you know very strong relief in the eighth and ninth innings, and it just didn't work out. I mean, that team fell apart. Uh, Papelbon obviously clashed inside that that clubhouse as well. And uh, and then the, I think the big issue for Storen at that point in time was he went from a guy who was. Uh, you know, locking down the ninth inning, knew he was going to pitch every night to all of a sudden a guy who was thrown in the middle relief. Uh, you know, I think there are some issues there with Matt Williams in terms of how he was being used. He was getting up in the bullpen a lot, not necessarily getting into games. There are some injury concerns there as well. And I think overall the workload 
uh, an inconsistency of when he was actually being used kind of caught up to him. So, uh, you know, I, I think he needed a fresh start. I think the Nationals probably needed a fresh start as well. And the Jays are looking at this as a as a guy who's a really high-quality uh, arm with a lot of upside who can really give the Jays a lot of options. And, and I don't think they're as concerned about the postseason uh, track record as, as the Nationals might have been because they were the ones who lived through it uh, and the Jays weren't. They were able to see that from afar. You mentioned the postseason and the numbers when when you look at them as far as Storin goes. In the postseason, 1-1, one and one, uh, his ERA in 8.44 and a couple of blown saves along the way. And you mentioned them. They were big blown saves. I mean, there's any blown save in the postseason is a big one, but they're blown saves that I think Nationals fans probably aren't going to forget anytime soon. Uh, so when you think about a guy like that who maybe has had a few mental breakdowns early in his career on the mound, how important is it for the Blue Jays to have a guy like Roberto Osuna who you know you have the other guy you can go to if you need to? It's not a situation where the Blue Jays are, are bringing in Drew Storen and he has to be the guy. I mean, if he does slip up, the Blue Jays still have that other option. Yeah, exactly, and I think adding uh, Storing is for the from the Jay side is all about those options. I mean, uh, you know, it, the, the fact that they can turn to Roberto Osuna, they've got Brett Cecil down there as well, um, and Aaron Sanchez is a guy who now seems probably pegged for the rotation. That wouldn't have been able to happen if the Jays didn't have Storing. They would have needed Sanchez down there. Now his arrival does give them some different options, but. Uh, you know, moving Sanchez to the bullpen is something the Blue Jays could eventually look to do as well. Maybe it doesn't work out for him as a starter, or maybe they look in the second half of the season and, and decide that they need another piece in that bullpen, and Sanchez can be that guy. But you know, all this flexibility on the roster really wouldn't have been possible if the Jays uh, didn't acquire Storin. So I, I think in a lot of ways, it just he's a guy who's holding a lot of the cards right now, and it just overall makes the team uh, that much better. And yeah, those postseason numbers aren't pretty. Um, you know, I think the, the one thing you can point to, I mean, the Jays fans can relate to this one, is David Price was a big storyline down the stretch last year uh, with the struggles that he had had in the postseason. At least with David Price, you can you can point to a large sample size and you know point to all the, the starts that he had in the postseason. And you can probably put a little bit more responsibility on his shoulders because he did have that large sample size. Storin, as, as a guy in relief, I mean, you just have no margin for error. And all, all it takes is one outing uh, for your reputation to take a bit of a beating in the postseason. So probably for him more than anything else, he wants to get back to the postseason to uh, to have another chance to prove those people wrong. But it's, you're really walking on a tightrope there when you're a reliever in the postseason. There's just uh, so little margin for error, and you're only going to be out there for one inning. It either works out or, or it doesn't. And in his case, in Washington, it just didn't work out. Storin's certainly going to be a huge part of the story for the Blue Jays in 2016 because what you mentioned, not just what he does for the bullpen, but also what he could allow them to do as far as the rotation goes in Aaron Sanchez. All right, so Drew Storin, an exciting story going into the season. Uh, an interesting note for the Blue Jays, I think, in the last week, obviously arbitration. For the most part, the Blue Jays were able to avoid arbitration with, with their guys in that realm, but... W- I thought it was fascinating that Josh Donaldson and the team have gotten to the point where they've exchanged numbers, especially when you look at the numbers, because Donaldson reportedly $11.35 million is what he's asked for, or what he, uh, the team has, has offered, and he asked for $11.8 million, less than a half million dollars difference. Are you surprised that they weren't able to somehow kind of bridge the gap there? 
I'm not surprised, but that that's not a good thing either. Uh, you know, it, it, it seems like this is going the way it went last year uh, when the Jays took Donaldson's arbitration. And, you know, in a lot of ways, Donaldson is a very unique case because, you know, before it's all said and done, he's probably going to set a record for, uh, you know, the highest numbers that have reached through arbitration. I mean, it's a very unique case coming off. Uh, you know, an MVP season, and this is a guy who has three arbitration years left. And so uh, that number that's going to be in the, in the $11 million range is going to only increase over the next two years as well. And so I think the Jays are looking at this as, yeah, a lot of people would, would look at it as being less than a $500,000 difference. But if they save $500,000 this offseason, then that might equal savings of, you know, a million and a half next year uh, when when there's the, the case that, that goes up for grabs. Uh, yet again, but even so, this is still not good news for the Jays. You don't really want to have that type of uncertainty. Uh, I don't think arbitration causes as many hard feelings as it used to. Um, but even so, you're still in a room. You're you're in front of an arbiter where you're talking about reasons why uh, your star player should be making less than the amount of money that he wants. Uh, and so there is a risk there for there for being some bad blood and. Uh, you know, when you're talking about such a small amount in the grand scheme of things, percentage-wise, for what that contract would be, you know, I think the ideal situation is, is that both sides would just avoid, avoid it entirely. But the Jays are a file-and-trial team. They've had this policy where if they don't uh, reach a deal uh, before arbitration numbers are exchanged, uh, then they will head to an arbitration hearing unless a multi-year deal can be worked out. And uh, you know, I don't think there's been really any indications at all that there's a multi-year deal imminent for Donaldson. It might be something that they explore, uh, but that's going to be easier said than done uh, because he's going to be looking to maximize his value over the next couple of years, and, and the Blue Jays are going to be looking to save as much money as they possibly can. Considering how much money he is going to make in arbitration, doesn't it make even more sense because of that to try to, to lock him up long-term? Is that something at some point you see the discussions being there that they could maybe – you know, give him a little more now, but but maybe get a year or two of his free agency back from him, or is or is Donaldson the kind of guy that you definitely see getting to free agency? I think he's a guy who's going to get the free agency. I mean, you just look. He it, he's a unique case in the sense as well that that he's a guy who's a bit of an advanced age as well. He's a bit of a late bloomer. Uh, you know, he's not going to hit free agency at at age twenty nine or thirty like a lot of guys uh, typically do when they're out there. So. If you were a guy who was going to hit free agency at 29, you might be prepared to give up a year or two of your free agency and then hit the market at age 31. It might not be the end of the world. In his case, he doesn't want to give up a couple of those years uh, because then you're getting into the mid-30 range and you don't really necessarily want to be taking your chances. Uh, if you can avoid it, uh, being a free agent at around that time, instead you'd rather uh, hit it as early as you possibly can. And he's in a situation where he's going to, basically get one long-term deal that's going to set him up for the rest of his career. Uh, and so I think he's going to be really hesitant to give up any of those free agent years. And from a Jays perspective, uh, that's what they would want. Uh, in order to uh, secure and guarantee these next few years of his arbitration deals, in order to take advantage of that, they would want uh, a free agent year, uh, possibly even two. And I just don't think that's something Donaldson's willing to give up. And then from the Jays' side, if he's not willing to give that up, I don't know if there's enough of an upside there uh, to lock in the rest of his arbitration years of guaranteed dollars um, because you never know what, what could happen. I mean, it, it, he's a guy who, and he's the MVP right now, uh, 
two months from now he could suffer a major injury and, and that could derail things. So if you don't have to take that chance, if you're not getting the upside of the extra free agent years, it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense for the Jays to do it um, outside of the fact that it would help them avoid this potentially awkward situation uh, with arbitration. So it might be something that they have to consider. I would be surprised if either side uh, really gives in and, and really tries to get something done. The good news for Jays fans is they do have club control over him for the next few years, certainly. All right, one more thing I wanted to touch on, Gregor. Sean Markham announced his retirement uh, this week officially. Spent his first five seasons with Toronto, and and he was a big member of that team. It's actually almost surprising to hear that that his career didn't end up going longer, considering how it started in Toronto. Overall, with the Blue Jays, 37-25, and 25, a 3.85 ERA over five seasons. What do you remember about Sean Markham, the Blue Jay? Well, Sean Markham was, well, first of all, he, he was a guy who kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. I mean, a, a guy of uh, J.P. Ricciardi uh, brought into the fold back in the day, and he, he started out in the bullpen, and there, there was a lot of question marks about his overall upside. But uh, once he won a, a rotation job, he never really looked back while he was here in Toronto. And, you know, at one point he was the opening day starter, you know, really took the reins after Roy Halladay left town and, and became a really, really nice pitcher for the Blue Jays. And you know, he's someone the Jays probably would have looked to keep in the fold longer, except his timeline didn't really match up with the club's timeline at that point in time. Uh, and, and that's why uh, they looked to move him in, in a deal for Brett Laurie, which at the time was uh, you know, a great deal, uh, seemingly for both sides. And Markham went on to have a very strong season with Milwaukee that year, but ran into some issues uh, in the postseason and, and then just wasn't able to, to stay healthy after that. And really the health is the reason why uh, his career is cut short. But, uh, you know, he gave a lot of good years to the Blue Jays. And, and you know, in a, in a lot of ways he's still giving now because you look at that, the Jays turned him into Brett Laurie, and then Brett Laurie was eventually turned into Josh Donaldson. So here we are all these years later, uh, Sean Markham's presence, while he might not be in Toronto, uh, you know, there's still some fond memories of him, both what he did on the field and, and what he brought in return as well. And Sean Markham's going to stay involved in baseball, I guess, coaching at, at the college level, I think, from what I read. All right, that's going to do it for our MLB.com Extras Blue Jays podcast for this week. Gregor Chisholm, thanks so much for joining us. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.